We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, the world traveler, but he's back. You know, I don't know what was worse, Vince, the game on Saturday or my trip back. (laughs) I had to Uber home from Chicago Airport because United Airlines is... Shut your mouth. Yeah. yeah, You came home from... Okay, that's Chicago conversation. from Chicago. Yeah, yeah you were I, supposed to come into South Bend. Correct. So yeah, my flight got canceled and my flight didn't get canceled. I missed my connecting flight because a crew member for United did not show up for like an hour, and they didn't hold wow. the flight. And so they were going to make me stay in a hotel in Chicago and then try to catch a flight this morning. And I said, Mm-mm. so I, I Ubered home. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I Ubered to the airport to South Bend Airport from Chicago. So. Oh. Yeah, this was just pretty, a pretty much a miserable weekend all around. It. Yeah, it didn't start out well either. Yeah. With so the you games. brought up that world traveling stuff, and yeah, that just <laughs> this, you're just going, you're just sticking like needles in, and you know, knives right in the back, right at the outset of the show, Vince. I mean, I, I know you've got a couch in that other room. You just want to lay back, yeah. put your feet up, and we can have a, a discussion yeah. about all this. Yeah, I mean, just how it makes me feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah, We're, well, let's let's go ahead. This this is my therapy, right? Yes, here. Talking absolutely. Football, talking X's and O's talking about games yeah that's my therapy so well let's dive right in ever since this game well ever since about halftime uh of this game uh, i i've been looking forward to <laughs> having this conversation with you um about this game and, and we were texting and we were talking etc but this is therapy for me too because mm-hmm. it 
validates my feelings, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we talked a lot about this game. Of course, for those of you that are, that are living in a cave and didn't watch the game, now if you're listening to this podcast, I highly doubt that's you, but, but Notre Dame uh, fell in the ACC championship 34-10 to 10 to Clemson. Um, and, and it wasn't pretty, uh, from the outset. So, uh, again, we talked about all the different things that needed to happen or that, that could go wrong for Notre Dame and and would spell disaster for them. And every single one of those things happened. If if I had a checklist of all the things that we talked about and I could go through and just check them off as we went, okay, Michael Mayer needs to get involved. Uh, check. Mm -hmm. Um, I I said, Kyle Hamilton was going to get an early pick in the game. Check. Yeah, exactly. Or a pick in the game off potentially off a two yeah, ball. Yeah, because he hadn't had one all season, and this mm-hmm. was the game to get it, and he mm-hmm. got it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is super, we're soothsayers. This is great." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 battle in the trenches uh, w- was very critical in, mm-hmm. in this game. We we saw the backside of seventy five uh, an awful lot uh, in this game, and that was because of thirteen and white. He's pretty darn good, and we told you that Tyler Davis was pretty darn good. So uh, there was just so many points in this game that we need to talk about. Um, so I'm going to, let's start big picture with this thing, Brian, your, your overall thoughts on the game, your, your impressions as you were leaving, uh, Charlotte, you know, Vince, for me, I think my first impression was there's going to be an immediate, you'd mentioned your, your thoughts were validated. And and I, and that was kind of my first thought is we're going to kind of see world war three with Notre Dame fans. And, and Mm -hmm. what that's going to mean is the fans who have kind of bought into the notion that this season's different, uh, you know, this team is different because they beat Clemson on November 7th, this is a different scenario. Uh, and they're just going to look at it as, as a one-off, you know. And, and I'm working on an article on this, essentially saying, Vince, that, you know, the other side of it is, is, is people that have been kind of quiet about, you know, being 10-0 and and things like that. And understandably so, but, you know, we, we, we've seen 10-0 before, right? Yeah. We, we've seen that before. But what happens when you get on the big stage when everybody's watching, um, this is what happens. It's Notre Dame gets not only beat, but beat in convincing fashion where it was like by halftime it wasn't a competitive game. No. You know, and I think that's the frustrating thing. And so then it's, well, it's no different. You know, my stance is from a big picture standpoint, we're, you know, in, in the article I'm working on now at irishbreakdown.com is we're not going to really be able to write the complete postmortem on this game until after the national semifinal. And what I mean by that is if, if you're looking for validation, you're going to find it in this game. But I don't know if we can necessarily say that because we need to see what happens next. Sure. And what I mean by that is, if Notre Dame bounces back and beats Alabama or is even in a game against Alabama where they lose similar to the way Florida lost to Alabama in the different SEC conversation game, completely. then I, then I think you can look at the Clemson game as a one-off and this program is closer because, you know, it's not like Notre Dame's the only team that gets blown out. You know, um, you know, Clemson got smacked by LSU last year. Ohio state lost big time to Purdue in 2018, got blown out by Iowa in 2017 with urban Myers head coach. The difference is, is those programs have, uh, you know, wins that can kind of say, yeah, those are one-offs. Those are anomalies. Notre Dame doesn't have those kind of wins because now all the people that said, well, you know, the only reason Notre Dame won that game is because of Trevor Lawrence not playing. And, 
and uh, Tyler Davis not playing and James Skowski not playing, those people all have, all now have ammunition to say, see, this is the same old Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're right. I don't know. Um, but I just need to see more from it. But, you know, the, the problem that I had with this, Vince game, this game, Vince, was a lot of the things that have gone into past poor performances were, were just there in our face mm-hmm. again. Yep. Yep. Uh, a team that got out, out, uh, the, just the emotion that we're used to seeing from this team wasn't there. They weren't playing with the same level of confidence that we see. And even early when things were going somewhat well, you just, you didn't see, you, you know, you just, you saw individual players making plays. You didn't necessarily, like, I didn't feel great about um, what I was watching. I mean, you even saw Clemson kind of winning in the trenches early, even when Notre Dame was driving down the field and, you know, needing big pass plays to get going. They weren't doing anything in the run game. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, Notre Dame baits Clemson into an interception, which, and we'll talk about it when we get into the defensive part, but then, but you still saw like they weren't getting pressure on the quarterback. You could see the game plan early of, Get rid of the football quickly and max protect, move the pocket. Things we talked about when we talked about the Clemson offense, which was they're going to scheme Notre Dame a certain way to try to neutralize the pass rush and neutralize the, 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 their deficiencies in the box. And so we saw those things kind of rear their ugly head early. And then we saw things that have been problems all year for Notre Dame start to show up again. You know, um, red zone offense, you know, John Doerr still in a funk makes a 51-yarder, misses a 24-yarder. And then there just seemed to not – honestly, Vince, from an emotion, from a body language standpoint, this game looked a lot more like Michigan last year than it did November 7th against Clemson. Yeah, no, I and agree. that blows my mind. I just don't know how this team – you know, it just – it seemed like Miami 2017, you mm-hmm. know, where – Against Miami 2017, you know, you could say, boy, if Notre Dame just – if Brandon Wimbush hits that post route to Equinemius St. Brown on drive one and they score a touchdown, boy, we, we may be having a different conversation. It, uh, it's yeah. It's Clemson. Boy, if Ian Book just throws that post route to Miles Boykin, Notre Dame goes up 7 nothing. You know, instead Clemson goes down and takes a lead and, and Notre Dame just – we've seen this story written before. And we had the same exact – well, if only Notre Dame would have – you know, punch this ball into the end zone on, on uh, you know, third and goal from the six-yard line to take a 10 to nothing lead. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the conversation at that point in time? But once again, it's the what-ifs. Right. And, and that, that just has been the, the story. You know, Vince, I've called Notre Dame for years back when we were doing a podcast at BGI and, and doing the show with Lou, Lou Samoji. You know, the, the phrase I, I came up with was, Notre Dame's an almost program. They're almost good enough to be on that big stage with Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. But, but games like this are, are why they're not there yet. And this, they needed this game, even if it was a loss, but it was a competitive loss. The narrative about this Notre Dame team would have been completely different. Right. And there would have been no one talking about Notre Dame not being in the college football. Right. Right. Uh, right. And that's the disappointing. It was an opportunity lost by mm-hmm. Notre Dame. And it, and, and again, it didn't have to just—it didn't have to be a win for it to be an opportunity gained. It just needed to be a competitive game. And the reality right. is, it wasn't. It was not a competitive game. By the second touchdown, you're like, "This is going to be over. a long day." Yep, and long day. And I, and I think that was the d- disappointing part because Notre Dame had the opportunity really to go up, score three touchdowns at the beginning of the game. They they should have had 21 points, uh, honestly. And 
I, it was just, I remember uh, after Dorr missed the second, or missed his field goal, right? The one that doinked off the upright, the 24-yard field goal. My, my son has had a 25-yard field goal and was 12. Um, but guys miss it. It's a, big, it's a big spot, and I get that. Uh, but when he was sitting over on the bench and the sports psychologist is the one over there talking to him, mm-hmm. it, that felt just, it just felt ominous to me that the sports right. psychologist has to talk to a kid in the middle of a game. And I realized he's a kicker and kickers are a different breed, yeah. et cetera. But it, as the game went on, that became like a microcosm mm-hmm. for what this entire t- – it, it just seemed like they were in their own heads and right. they just couldn't get past whatever it was. They yeah. just couldn't get past it. And, and it, was, it was ugly, uh, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tried to stay off social media after the game um, and, and, and on Sunday. And it was difficult uh, because there was a lot of, you know, Notre Dame. I, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I don't want to see him in the playoff and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you had all the excuses and all. I mean, it, it's amazing how fast Notre Dame fans can turn on their team. Let me just put it that way. Uh, but one of the things that was out there is that this defense uh, was distracted by the whole Clark Lee going to Vanderbilt thing. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know where you're going with this, uh, but I want to make sure that I give you a, a platform to get your opinion out there on this whole Clark Lee to Vanderbilt and if it affected the defense. I don't think it did. Okay. Um, the funny thing is, is the defense gave up one more point in this game than they gave up in regulation of the November 7th exactly. game. Exactly. Now, this was not a good defensive performance. Don't no. get me wrong. But we've seen this performance before. We saw this performance in 2018. We saw this performance uh, in other big games. If anyone was distracted by Clarkley leaving, it was Ian Book and Tommy Reese and the offensive line. Uh, you know, that's the reason Notre Dame lost this game, right? I mean – we said, we said all along, uh, you know, I was on another radio show Friday night before the game. I said, look, this isn't going to be a 17 to 14 game. I, I've written articles for years now, Vince, saying, look, uh, defense will get you to the show, but your offense is going to have to win you a championship now. That, yeah, we that's been that. true for, since, for years. Yeah. You know, for years, that's been true. This is not 1980s, 90s football where you can win a championship game, you know, picking off a quarterback six times like Penn State did to beat Miami in a low-scoring game. You're, that's just that, – that air's gone. Maybe it comes back someday, but right now that air's gone. And you have to score points. And the fact of the matter is the Notre Dame defense, even though they didn't play great by any stretch, held Clemson to almost two touchdowns below their season average. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally every single time – Notre Dame has played Clemson. It's now the fourth time. Even, even during Brian Van Gorder's tenure, although I've contended, contested that before and said that if it's not a monsoon, Clemson scores 50 on Notre Dame that day. It's fair. You know, Deshaun Watson scored for like 91 yards that game. Okay, That happens because it's monsoon. However, in the three games where Clark Lee has been Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, they've held Clemson to at least 12 points below their season average every time regulation i don't count giving up a touchdown in in overtime yeah right uh you know but even even with the touchdown in overtime they were still a touchdown below their season average right you know when when you can hold a team to uh, like clemson to below their season average you've got a chance to win i mean if i were to tell you that in the national in the semifinals they're going to hold alabama to two touchdowns below their season average you'd say you hold bama in the 30s that's 
you might have a chance you to win. You got a puncher shot. Yeah. yeah you you got a puncher shot. So if anyone was affected by the circumstances, it was the people on the other side of the ball. It wasn't Clark Lee and it yeah. wasn't the Notre Dame defense. Again, that doesn't mean they brought their A game. No, they didn't. But it was an execution problem to me. It wasn't to me. It wasn't a situation where you looked at it and said, boy, this defense, man, they're just – there's clearly something going on. Clemson coached well. They had a great game plan. Notre Dame adjusted, but it was too late. They adjusted yeah. too late, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that. But, no, this was an offensive problem. And what has been the story in every big game that Notre Dame has played? Offensive every problem. single one. Yeah, that Notre points. Dame has played. They scored 14 points against Alabama in 2012. Yep. Right? When they beat when they beat Michigan State in 2013, the Michigan State team went 13 to 1. They won that game 17 to 14. They didn't win that game because of the offense. You know, Miami in 2017 is probably the only game where you could say it was both sides failed, but even then the Notre Dame defense kept Miami in check for a while. Miami's 41 points came from also two touchdown returns for touch, you know, for yeah. on defense. Um, you look at Georgia 2017, you held the national runner up to 20 points. That should be a win. Last year at Georgia, you held Georgia at home to 23 points. Should you get offense the ball back with two minutes left at midfield. Yes. What Inside else do you midfield. want? Yeah. What else do you want? You right. know? And, and, you know, I mean, we'll get into some details about this game, but the defense set up the offense uh, at least three times that I can think yes. of off the top of my head. Yes. And the offense didn't capitalize. We'll get into exactly. those details in a exactly. second, you know, when we talk about the defense. Uh, I do want to get into more detail. We're going to start with the offense, then we're going to hit the defense. But before we do, we want to hear from one of our new sponsors uh, on our podcast here. And uh, that is going to be, let me pull it up here for you. It'll be another Blue Wire ad. It's the Lindsay it Rhodes, the NFL Roadshow with Lindsay Rhodes. It's a new podcast on, on Blue Wire. Yeah, so let, let's hear uh, let's look at a little preview for the NFL Roadshow with Lindsay Rhodes. Hey, everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Roadshow, fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I want to jump into some specifics here, Brian. Uh, you know, we, we've we've given our kind of our overall thought on this whole thing. I want to start talking about the offense in particular. Um, the biggest issue for this offense in on Saturday's game. Uh, what is it to you? What was the biggest problem? The biggest difference uh, for the offense? You know, Vince, I can't just give one. I think it would be unfair. <laughs> and honest, it would be unfair to say, like, the easy answer is Ian Book, right? right? That's the easy answer. Absolutely. But, but I think that's too easy. I think that's, that's saying, well, it didn't go well, so let's blame Ian Book for everything. Um, that's partly true, but I, I think there's blame to go around in a lot of different places. I think that there's blame to go around with the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think he called a decent first half, but – there were plays to be made that weren't made, whether mm -hmm. it was Ian Book not making reads, not making throws, the offensive line not giving them room to run. But at the end of the day, the concern that I had, and, it, and here's, here's where I think we have a disconnect sometimes when we have conversations with, 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 with people that 
in, in fans that, that look at just the result, right? Mm-hmm. This is why I've always said you got to stop looking at the result only. Notre Dame's past the point of they just need to win, right? They're, they're past that. They don't lose to Tulsa anymore. They don't lose right. to Pitt anymore. Like, they're past that. And Brian Kelly deserves a great deal of credit for getting no them past that, right? But we're at the point now where it's, it's about that next level. And this is why people get mad at me, but this is why I was critical of the offense after the North Carolina game. We praised them for answering early things, but we said, look, they didn't respond to what, what North Carolina was doing to them with the pressures. They never had an answer for it. They were just better than Clemson or North Carolina. Right. They could just throw deep balls and Javon McKinley would outplay them. You know, uh, the offensive line was able to wear North Carolina down late in the game. Uh, you know, and then you look at the Syracuse game, same thing. Syrac- I, I said this in articles before the game. Syracuse, and I've talked to people on both sides of that game about this, Syracuse knew when the jet sweep was coming. They knew when the outside zones were coming. There's something going on where Notre Dame's lack of uh, originality, you've got nine games, ten games now of film. Right. You know what's coming, and they were calling it out. I know they this for a fact. They, they were calling it. it out. But even to a degree, they did. Yeah, that's so true. Notre Dame, again, Notre Dame just wore them out late. Notre Dame was losing in the second quarter to Syracuse, right? And people just wanted to write those things off as, oh, it, it is what it is. But, I, you know, this is why we talk about it, because what you do against North Carolina can get you a win against North Carolina. But if you play that way against Clemson, you're going to get beat. Or Alabama. And did that. <laughs> and that's my issue, is the fact that Tommy Reese – it was it was hilarious to me. And, and I'm not trying to take a, a, a shot at Coach Kelly – but it's it's a it's a criticism, but not a shot. But it was hilarious to me, Vince. You were list, you were covering the the way we do it. Is I work on game observations and, and analysis right after the game, and you handle the post game press conference and all that kind of stuff. That's how we do operation. And and when I went back and listened to the pot, to so I'll listen to the the it afterwards, and I'm listening to Brian Kelly talk about how hard it is to defend RPOs. And how having the RPOs and Trevor Lawrence executing the RPOs makes that offense so difficult to defend. And I'm like, hello, that's college football in 2020. (laughs) I've been crying about this for two months. Where are the RPOs? And the few times they used RPOs, they were effective. You know, it's like Clemson had eight guys in a box from the beginning of the game. It was the same philosophy they had in, in the November game. And it was the same philosophy they had in the playoff. The difference is this time they had James Skalski. This time they had Tyler Davis and Mike Jones. And this time Notre Dame was unwilling to take the downfield shots in this game. And they were there. And on they all were. the people don't talk about, oh, guys were covered. Nobody was open. No, they yes, weren't. they were. Now – And, and, they, and I, I will say the TV broadcast did a good job because every time there was a big play or a sack or something along those lines, they would show you the end zone view. And, or, you know, Ian Book's view, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. You could see guys running wide open. Right. And, and, or coming out of their break. Right. Open. It, it, Clemson open. And this is the thing that people have to understand. There's Clemson Agreed. open and then there's North Carolina Syracuse open. And that's what Ian Book has always struggled with in his career. He doesn't understand Clemson open. And, and I think this is a good time for us to have a really quick football 101 conversation. And nice. I don't mean this condescendingly at all. I, I, I just want to talk to you because I've coached and played receiver and quarterback in my career. Uh, and, and so I feel like I do have some firsthand experience and knowledge of this. What people have to understand is open does not mean what Amari Rogers did to Sean Crawford. Oh. That's open for everyone, right? <laughs> open is, is, can be two things, and I think this is where people – open can actually be three things. 
And this is what I think a lot of fans don't understand. And, and some people who cover the game, and I don't mean this as a shot at all, uh, but there's open where there's separation on the field, like, you know, on the field, you know, so a vertical route, an in cut where the guy is in trail position. You, that's clearly open. Everybody knows that. That's easy. There's, there's two other types of open. And one is leverage open. And what that means is at the time when I'm ready to throw the ball, my guy may not be open. He may be even with a guy, but I know where he's breaking and I know the way that the defender is from a leverage standpoint. So I know if I throw the ball out into this zone, my guy will go out and get it. So for example, uh, the first drive of the game, Javon McKinley is running a corner route on the backside on the third mm -hmm. down where Ian book took a sack, uh, forced a 51 yard field goal, which was a common theme in this game was taking bad sacks. Uh, that was not open at the time from the traditional standpoint at the time when Ian book looked away, but it was open from a standpoint of, it was a leverage open, which means if you throw the ball outside, you throw Javon McKinley open. He's got the leverage over that corner where that route's going. The third way of being open is more of a vertical. And I mean like upright vertical open, which is if I'm an outside receiver running a go route or a stop route, and the corner is at a certain place on my hip, Unless I'm Will Fuller, I'm not outrunning this guy. Right. So that form of open is not there. But when I'm 6'3", 215 pounds like Javon McKinley, and that guy is actually either even on my hip or a step in front of my hip, I'm open. It's, it, you got to throw it high and you got to throw it behind me. Michael Mayer, perfect example. Michael Mayer's got a step on the, the tight end or on the, on the safety, Nolan Turner, in the end zone. And, you know, it's not a pass because of where the corner was on the underneath. It's not a pass you can just throw on a line because there's right. a corner underneath it. You throw the ball high and over the top. You have leverage. You have a step. You throw it over the top where Michael Mayer can go get it. Those are the kind of plays you have to make to beat Clemson when they have Trevor Lawrence and Tyler Davis. And so there were plenty of throws like that. And there were some traditional opens too. Ben Skoranek on the third and 11 curl route. Uh, wide open wide open you know and 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 it, the throw wasn't made it wasn't even attempted right so you know th those are some execution issues but at the same time I feel like because the offensive game plans are so we're just better than you and and lack any sort of let's create opportunities you know I watch college football all the time and I'm like man how do these guys keep getting open this way and you watch them and you're you know, you're watching Bama use their two backside receivers to to run off the safety in the corner. And then, you know, they bring Devontae Smith on kind of like a delayed deep drag climb route. And you're like, that's great scheme. I haven't seen that since last year at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, and, and that was a similar concept to what they ran against Virginia Tech. Remember when Braden Lindsay got open on that backside drag route and then Ian Book underthrew him and he fell down. That, that might have been a 60-yard right. touchdown. I mean, those are things where you're giving your, your players opportunities to, to not have to just win battles every single time. Right now, Notre Dame's receivers are in situations, and we've been talking about this all year, where they have to outplay the guy they're going Correct. against every single time. That's not going to work against elite teams. Right, it, 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 especially if you're not willing to give them chances. I mean, right. in the first well, game, Ian Book was willing to give Javon McKinley chances to go make plays. In this game, he didn't. And it wasn't right. that they were necessarily defending Javon McKinley different. There was opportunities for him to get there. Yep. Um, 
So, so those are the things you have to understand is there's different types of open and those guys, there was openings in all three of those areas in this game. Now it wasn't 12, 13 times, but what did we say about Clemson in 2018? There's going to be four or five opportunities for both teams to make plays. We said the same thing in November 7th and in 2018, Trevor Lawrence took advantage of those four or five opportunities and he hit big plays and November 7th, Ian book took advantage of those opportunities. And he right. made plays on, on Saturday. He didn't, he didn't even attempt those plays and they were game changing plays. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of, that's kind of where we are with that. Now, Brian, you, you talked about the play calling being not reactionary, but being in a way that our guys are better than your guys. And this is how we're going to mm-hmm. call the game. Right. I right. mean, but what, what blows my mind is that Notre Dame has a pretty good tandem of running backs. Would you mm-hmm. agree? And tight ends. Good. I think I know and where you're going. Ends. And yeah. tight ends. And tight ends. It is not difficult to put together an offense where uh, you get running backs in the flats or running backs um, in a, on a flare, which is behind mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage, you know, just beyond, right? Or you get your tight ends, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, behind the line where the linebackers have vacated with all the pressure. Mm-hmm. Because, look, Clemson was bringing pressure. And I right. understand that Kyron Williams is good at picking up pressure. He's excellent at it. He was mm-hmm. excellent, again, in this matchup for the most part. But why not ha- release him? Because whether he blocks pressure – or whether he leaves and is unguarded, that's the same thing as blocking pressure, except now he's got the ball in his hands, excuse me, and he can do some things with the ball. There, there's right. so many things you can do to counteract pressure, and I haven't seen Notre Dame do that yet. And it's extremely frustrating to me because we do it on the high school level. Yeah. When, when teams are just bringing pressure, bringing pressure. When I was a freshman coach on defense, we would just bring pressure because they didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and you just do it because you're talking about a bunch of 14-year-old kids and usually coaches that are dumb. Mm-hmm. But once you get to varsity, even JV for that matter, it's easy to call a flare or, you know, an arrow uh, or, or uh, angle routes. I mean, there's all types of there's things. There's a million different things that you can do to get the ball over the pressure and punish teams for pressuring you. Right. Especially pressuring you right up the middle. Yes. You know, and, and again, I talked about RPOs. You're talking about things that are like screens, things like – um, you and know, I realize delay that's a routes. More old, old school football, right? I mean, well, not old school. No, it's not it's RPO. Not, it's, it's not old school. Teams do it all the time. I mean, even things, and we've seen Notre Dame run some of these concepts in the past, and they they just don't do it now. Like teams will run a crossing route, but they'll have the crossing route sort of be at the line of scrimmage, right? So what they'll actually do is you'll have that crossing route to a player, but the tight ends, the backs, and the other receivers are actually blocking downfield. Uh, you know, we've seen them do that from time to time. And, and it's just, you know, and, and there's, there's so many different ways to, to attack a team that's blitzing you. And I felt like Notre Dame didn't do that. And I also think that Clemson did a really good job of mixing up when they were going to bring pressures and when they were going to drop seven guys into coverage. And Notre Dame had no read on when that was going to happen. Yeah. And the concepts that they were running weren't really effective against either of those <laughs> things. Um, and so it just, it was a, it was a puzzling thing, but this is kind of what we've been talking about all year, Vince. I mean, there's been a couple games here and there where the past game really looked good, looked creative. Uh, BC comes to mind. 
Uh, there was some aggressiveness that we liked against Clemson, even though the overall game plan, there were still some things missing, but uh, which is why they went so many stretches without scoring touchdowns, which we talked about before the show too. It just, it's puzzling and frustrating to see them not do that. But, but also you have a first year offensive coordinator. He's not going to look like a five, 10 year vet in his first year. Sure. And this is what I get back to, which is, I think Tommy Reese has a bright future as a football coach, but you handed a 28 year old. There's no other teams in the country. I believe that have offensive coordinators under the age of 30. You are, you sent a, a really South smart, Florida. bright South Florida does. Oh yeah. Charlie white. And what happened? What happened to their <laughs> offense this year? I, I know I have to say, it. <laughs> you know, um, so, so yeah, their offense was pretty bad too. Now that you, uh, now that you mention it, um, <laughs> Yeah, so who you said South Florida, right? Where That's the only one I know of. And, and again, another yeah. really smart young coach. They averaged 23 points a game this year. They scored zero points against Notre Dame, seven points against Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> this is a moment that you need to experience to, to know exactly how to handle it. Brent Venables has been here before. Many times. And, 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 and Notre Dame's offensive coordinator has not been. And that was the risk that you ran. By, sure. by making Tommy Reese your offensive coordinator now, as opposed to bringing in another coach that we talked about during the offseason and saying, Let, let's give Tommy Reese a couple more years to learn from somebody else who's going to have some new ideas and some new concepts and some new experiences, not just the one that he's been with under Brian Kelly for the last 11 years. There's a reason why it's good to work with different coaches. I mean, you know, in my coaching career events, I worked under five different coaches some good ones, some not good ones, one great one. And I learned different things from each coach. Things that, that I said, okay, I really like how he does that. That's right. going to work for me. Or, yeah, that didn't work. I'm not right. going to be like that. And when you don't have those, those experiences, you, you know, you're not going to be quick to push the right buttons. Uh, I don't care how smart you are. And this isn't a knock on Tommy Reese at all. I think Tommy Reese has an incredibly bright future as an offensive coordinator, as, as an I, offensive yeah. coach. But he's, it's just the timing was the issue, and now we're seeing it. You know, we're, we're seeing it in a game like this. We're seeing it down the stretch when defenses kind of had a read on what Notre Dame was doing, and Notre Dame was way less efficient. And, you know, it, this offense looked really good for about three games. Let's be honest. And a lot of the other season, they, they didn't look good at all. They out-talented people in other games. They just didn't play well. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that's, that goes back on Brian Kelly. You, you know what I mean? Sure. So, I, I don't think we should have expected Tommy Reese to out-duel Brent Venables. And we talked about this in the, the, before the game. He didn't out-duel Brent Venables in the first game either. Right. Notre Dame scored on the first play of the game on an outside zone that was blocked perfectly. It was a good call. I mean, but it's an outside zone. It's your bread and butter play. You calling right. that on You're the first play of the game is not like wicked smart. You know, it's just <laughs> – You're you know, going to okay, call yeah. it. Yeah, right. And they didn't score again until the final drive when, when Clemson got out of their base defense. That was the only time they scored touchdowns. So you say, well, mm -hmm. they dropped this and the false but, – but that counts. That's football, right? Like, that was an issue for the whole season. And we saw it rear its ugly head again today. And it just amazes me that after 11 games, this team never got any better at the, at the red zone. I mean, you expect certain things to happen early in the year. You don't have Chase Claypool anymore. You don't have Cole Komet anymore. That's a big chunk of your touchdowns from last year in the past game. Okay, well, after 11 games, you'd think you'd find new things to do, you know, and they just never did. And then when they would get in some of those situations, the quarterback against Clemson was just unwilling to throw the ball. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it'd be easy to say, oh, it's Ian Book's fault. But th this, the problems go deep. The offensive line got whipped. 
Well, yeah, that's um, that's that where I want to go next. Problem. Yeah, I mean, that so was thanks for setting problem. me up. Yeah, thanks for setting go. me up, Brian. Segway I appreciate button. that because the offensive line is someplace I wanted to go. Um, and I don't know, and I want you to speak to this because uh, you've had a chance to look at it a little bit more closely than I have. But in the moment, it appeared as though the offensive line didn't do a terrible job at times. It, I felt like they got whooped up the middle. And a lot of that has to do with Tyler Davis. I, I mean, the, the, the kids are playing. Josh Log, yeah. And, and, and that was my matchup, right? That was one of my matchups to watch was, was Josh Lug versus Tyler Davis. And that one did not go the way of the Irish. And, and Tyler Davis had a, his fair share of wins against Tommy Kramer as well. You know, he, sure. was, he was sloppy in his first game back. And, you know, I thought the offensive line gave Ian Book time to throw early. Uh, I thought that the problem in the run game was more about numbers than it was about the line not blocking well. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Clemson had some, some unique twists and, and, you know, twists is essentially. So, you know, if you're watching this on video, you have like a defensive end who, you know, here's your offensive tackle, the defensive defensive ends on the outside here, he'll slant inside now and go from C gap to B gap and either another lineman will kind of then loop outside or a linebacker or a will loop linebacker. outside. Notre Dame did a pretty good job of picking that stuff up in the first game they did not do a very good job of picking that stuff up in the second game. And again, part of that's good coaching by Brent Venables and the fact that Notre Dame just didn't have answers for it. Uh, and, and after quarter, it really seemed Vince like they just kind of abandoned the run game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they did a couple nice things in a row at one point in time where they did a couple motions, like a quick shifts where they shifted guys over and that opened up a jet sweep and then a boot, you know, I think a bootleg after that. But, you know, and then like they went to a wildcat formation and I'm thinking to myself, they're going to do something off of that, right? That's why they're doing that. They just right. put, put a wildcat in and, and put Chris Tyree on the field, and then they just ran a, an outside zone with, with Kyrie Williams, and they're going to do something. Like, they're going to do some kind of reverse throwback or, the, you know, and they never went back to it. It's and like, what did you, what'd you do that for? You know, yeah. there was just – there's <sighs> no rhyme or reason. There was no let's do this to set up this right, right. in this game. It was just calling plays to call plays. And, and, again, that's something that you're going to see from an inexperienced coordinator in such a big moment. and. And I think that's, the offensive line suffered from of it from it, and, that, and that, that's my biggest. That's one of my big issues because uh, I wanted to bring up that wildcat situation as well. Because as a play caller, and you know this, it, it's play calling one hundred and one. You never do anything without the thought of what that's going to be. Yeah, you know, down Depending the road, maybe on how they how they defend it. Right, right. Maybe that's the next half. Maybe that's the next mm -hmm. quarter. Maybe it's the next series. Maybe it's the next play. Right, which um, which at times we've seen Tyrese do. You remember the Georgia Tech game. When they ran a, uh, they ran a, a, they ran a play where Chris Tyree faked a, a reverse, and Georgia Tech didn't defend it. And on the very next play, Tommy Reese went back to the reverse, right. and Chris Tyree ran for twenty-five yards. So we've seen it at times, yes. at times, but it just hasn't been very often. It's not consistent. We didn't consistent. see it, it's we didn't not see it against Clemson. And that that when I, when when I saw the Wildcats, like okay, here's something different that Notre Dame has not put on film yet. Mm -hmm. So so Clemson's not going to be ready for it. No, the first one is just a straight, you know, okay, but you know, there's going to be a reverse off of it. Is it, uh, is he going to throw the ball? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a million different things you can do out of Wildcat. And I, at, at first glance, I was like, okay, this is good stuff. This is something they haven't seen. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's work on this. This is good. And he never went back to never it. Went back to it. It's like, I don't know if he just forgot about it, you know, cause he got frustrated. Uh, what I don't know what the reasoning behind it was. I would love to ask him that question, but of course we can't talk we, to any of the assistant coaches, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but I I I was hopeful there for a, a yeah. second that we were moving into something uh, really special, um, yeah. and and it just went nowhere.
and, and I think here's the issue I have with that, Vince, is, you know, I think Brian Kelly has very much a we're going to do what we do mentality. Absolutely. And, and to a degree, that's fine. But my thing is, then, then fix what you do. <laughs> if RPOs aren't what you do, then fix that. I mean, that's part of the reason you brought Chip Long in, and, and they never even really did it then a ton, not the way that they should have. But they had some good success with that at times. Uh, you know, it, it, and, like, you'll see Clemson in, in, in big games, not big games. They'll do things where they'll, they'll roll out Trevor Lawrence, do a throwback. They tried that against Notre Dame. He rolled left, and, and they tried to throw back to the right, but, the you know, the Butkus Award-winning linebacker, Jeremiah Wusu, was there to cover it. You know what I mean? So – but they'll do things like that all the time. They'll do screens. They'll do throwbacks. They'll do these little pop passes. They're not gimmicks. It's called football in 2020. Exactly it's called right. let's find as many ways as possible to, 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 to change the eye level of the defense or the read keys of the defense or the, the getting the defense to think twice before committing 100 miles an hour. You know, little things that we saw in the last three years under the offensive coordinator that everybody likes to, to blame for everything that didn't go right for Notre Dame in the last three years. You know, I think of the USC game in 2018 when USC was just blitzing Notre Dame like crazy. And if Notre Dame's guards would open up and pull, USC's like entire defense would run in the directions of that. So what did Chip Long do? He came back, I think it was the second quarter, and he called a play where he had his guards run their, their buck sweep action to the right. So both guards opened up and ran hard to their right. And he just took Dexter Williams and ran him on a jet sweep to the left, and there was yeah. nobody out there. It was a 50-yard right. touchdown, right? Right. And, and it's, there's, it's actually not like a, really a play. It's just, hey, we're going to do this because there's not going to be anybody exactly. out there. Exactly. That's a, that's a draw-it-up-in-the-dirt play, yes, honestly. to a degree it is. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you have that in your mind as a counter, but we just don't see that. But that comes from experience. Right. I doubt Chip Long would have made that decision in his first year as an offensive coordinator. You know, that was his, what, third year as an offensive coordinator, one at Memphis and then two at Notre Dame. And so that's the thing is an offensive coordinator has got to be a great counterpuncher, and we didn't see any counterpunching from Notre yeah. Dame on Saturday. But a great offensive coordinator also has to be anticipatory. And that's been the big issue for Notre Dame this year is it's we know based on how we've evaluated this team, based on how they handle things that they're not that – where, where they feel like they have mismatches – or where they may have advantages, here's what we think they're going to do. Here's how we think they're going to defend us. You and I talked about that and some of that, and we, we were prepared for some of that, and I don't think that Notre Dame was. But then Clemson did some other things that, mm -hmm. that, that I would not have anticipated Clemson to do, more dropping seven in the coverage than Clemson normally does. Uh, you know, but, uh, but by that point in time, Notre Dame had abandoned the run game. That it's didn't a, come until after yeah. Notre Dame had clearly abandoned the run game. And, uh, and so Notre Dame had no counters for that. They had no, and I don't mean right. counters to play. I mean, just f philosophically. Any reaction to it. There was no, there was no yeah. counter punching to that. Right. And that was the disappointing thing for me. And when you do that in a game like this, you're not giving your players the opportunity to be successful. So we can point to Ian Book in, in the game he played, and he did not play well. It, it, was, a, it was an old school Ian Book game. Um, where he, you know, you can point to the stat line 20 of 28, it's a pretty good completion percentage, 219 yards, right? But again, as always, it was the throws he didn't make that were the most damaging. Uh, and and you know, that's really to me what did the, the, the team in, and it's what did the offensive line in partly because Clemson realized, like, hey, we're, we're whipping them at this one position. And, and as you, as you know, Vince, if, if you're getting beat at center, 
it's going to be hard for you to run the football. Absolutely. But even then, Notre Dame was just kind of like, we're going to do what we're going to do. And there was no, okay, we're losing this battle. What are we going to do? You know, at halftime, here's what you do, okay? You let you invite Tyler Davis upfield one time, and you do a wham block with Tommy Tremble on him and drill him on a little quick trap play. You could right. draw that up in the dirt at halftime. And so those are the things that you that you see other teams do that you just don't see Notre Dame do. Right. You got to read on it. We're just going to stop running it. And this has been an issue for Brian Kelly before Tommy. And this is why I say ultimately it falls on the feet of Brian Kelly. This is an issue before Tommy Reese showed up as the offensive coordinator. It was an issue before Chip Long was the offensive coordinator. It was the issue before Mike Dembrock was the offensive coordinator. This has been a Brian Kelly problem because that's the one side of the ball that Brian Kelly's always had his fingers in his offense, and they're just. They're just not a great counterpunching team, and that's I, disappointing because I thought he was a pretty good counterpuncher at Cincinnati when he was a primary play caller. Can I tell you how much I love a wham block, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like putting my wide receiver in motion, yeah. and then you call the play when he's at about the tackle, and mm-hmm. then the, the, the center goes someplace else, the, the, oh, and then you just ear hole. But, him, I mean, you have woo-hoo. that with Tommy Tremble. Sure, of course, right. Or Michael Mayer. I mean, and yes. Tommy Trump but they never do that to the blocker. They never do that to the inside guy. They only ever do right. that more right. to the outside. But see, guy. my thing is now you're doing that. Now all of a sudden, Tyler Davis is going to think twice exactly. the next time he's coming up the field. Once you get ear hold, yeah, you, your head's on a swivel, man, right. because you want to make sure that doesn't happen again. So those are the things, Vince, that are frustrating when you look at it. And I know we're gonna we're gonna dive into the defense after after we. Uh, um, we go to our next advertisement, but uh, or our next sponsor. But you know, this has been an issue for a while, and what we're talking about now is not new. Right. What would what would be um, what would be a poor look on our part is if we took things that happened into this game and that weren't there previous games, and so oh, see, this is why you shouldn't have made this move or this decision or whatever. Uh, I'd be like, well, where was that the previous ten games? Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Like, you don't pick a bad game and say, well, that's why you you know. This, these are things we've been talking about all year. And, and we talked about the fact that Notre Dame did not play a tough schedule this year. They could get away with things because they just had way better players than everybody else they played against. And they had better players than Clemson when Clemson didn't have Tyler Davis, Mike Jones, and James Skalski. Exactly. This game, those guys were all back, and the, the margin was much smaller. Clemson made it, took advantage of it. Notre Dame did not. And, you know, and, and so now all the narratives are back. And it's unfortunate because we had hoped that that they would be gone. And with a, even with a competitive close loss, I think those would have been gone. No, I agree with that. Uh, any final words on offense? You want to move on to the defense? No, let's move on. I mean, we, could right. be, we could do this for two more hours. I know we could. That's why I want I'm to like make looking sure. for my whiteboard. I got my whiteboard right there. I'm about to like draw up some plays and get mad. And but no, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Hey, that's a podcast idea. You keep that right here, buddy. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let we're gonna move on to the defense a little bit more specifically about the defense. Kind of uh, dispel some of those uh, conspiracy theorists and rumors out there about the defense. Um, but before we do, we want to hear from our next uh, sponsor, and that's Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. And that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. 
And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, welcome back. And it's time, Brian, to jump into the defense. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it a little bit up at the top. Uh, You know, the defense gave up one more point in this game than they did in regulation in the first Mm game. Uh, Was it a perfect uh, job by the defense in this game? No, it was not. It was Uh, a bad job by the defense, I would argue. I mean, no, it was. At least for the first two quarters. Points wise, they did what they needed to do mm-hmm. to allow Notre Dame's offense to take advantage and do what they needed to do. I mean, again, you said it, they held Clemson two touchdowns under their average. I mean, if you can do that in, and this is kind of a playoff game situation mm-hmm. scenario, right? Uh, it was almost an elimination game. Um, if you're able to do that in this kind of a game, then you have a shot at winning the game. Um, now, there was plenty wrong with the defense. Don't get me wrong. There, there, there were issues. And I mean, they gave up 8.2 yards per play. That's right. not good. No, 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 no. It's not good. Yeah. And, and part of that is because the offense was on the field so much in the first half, uh, or at least the first quarter. Uh, so Clemson just didn't have the ball, which is a great strategy mm-hmm. when Trevor Lawrence is, is at the helm of that offense. But, but you got to put the stinking ball in the end zone. Uh, uh, sorry, we're talking about the defense. We're talking about the defense. I apologize. <laughs> I'm not going to bring up how it should have been 17 to nothing before Clemson scored. We're not going to go there. Don't you just you just take a walk through my nightmares? Sorry. All right. Um, anyway, so so yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, but the defense struggled, and it wasn't yeah. just the players on the field. It was it was coaching. There was some yeah. coaching issues, uh, which yeah. we have not really seen a whole lot of so far this season. Mm-mm. No, we haven't. And the one time we saw it was against North Carolina, and the staff made really quick adjustments. Yeah. So after giving up 14 points in the first two drives, they made real quick adjustments pushed the right buttons, and they were able to control things. And shut it down um, the rest of the way. I mean, That didn't happen against Clemson. Notre Dame yeah. made adjustments, and those adjustments worked. Uh, they gave up one big play in the second half. And, and now part of it, too, was you know the reason they held them 34 points, if we're being honest, I think part of it is in the fourth quarter, Clemson – I mean, halfway the through the fourth quarter, Clemson took their foot off the gas. Yeah. Uh, they were just trying to run the clock out. You know, so maybe they could have put in, punched another one, another one in. It's but, possible. But, I, you know, but the defense gave the offense plenty of opportunities. Because here, here's the thing. So, I think they had two stops on their first two two possessions of the second half. I think Notre Dame made stops on both it times. Was, they did. It was two three and outs. And the Notre Dame offense on those first two three and outs went a total one yard. Yeah. One yard. Eight plays, one yard. That's what the offense did with that opportunity. Right. And then on the third possession, Clemson went down and scored. Right. You know – you score twice on those two times you get the ball, and all of a sudden it's 24 to 17. Even with that one touchdown, 31 17, the way that, you know, if your offense had made the adjustments of making plays, you're in that game. Plus, yeah. you don't know how Clemson would have reacted if they were now all of a sudden it's 24 to 17. 
Right. You know, they exactly. might, that might have forced them into a mistake. So you just never know how the game would have played out. So the defense played poorly, but at the same time, they made the adjustments. They made, they made adjustments where they played better in the second half. Notre Dame's offense played worse in the second half than it did the first half. Because the first half, they were actually moving the ball. Notre Dame's first three possessions all ended in Clemson territory. Correct. Made field goal, missed field goal, turnover on downs. There were opportunities to get points every single time, and, and they failed. Second half, they didn't even threaten Clemson until they put Chris, Ty, you know, Chris Tyree in the game at the end and ran for a touchdown. But we're not going to go there. We're going to have a whole different podcast talking about that. Uh, and Brian Kelly's post-game comments about Chris Tyree and, and, and those type of things. And it's not just about Chris Tyree. But, you know, defensively, Vince, this was a game where Clemson showed that they are champions and why they're champions. And it's not just about having great players. I mean, you need great players. But that was a great game plan. You know, the things that we talked about before the game, they know they can't run the ball. So, you know how many carries Travis Etienne had in the first quarter? One. One carry. One carry. What they did was is they had read zones. They had designed quarterback runs where they could use Travis Etienne as a lead blocker to now they could somewhat neutralize the numbers. They could, they could neutralize Notre Dame's talent advantage by getting a numbers advantage at the point of attack, which allowed them to get a couple nice gains by uh, Trevor Lawrence and eventually resulted in two huge games. By right. They attacked with the quick perimeter game, the quick passing game. We, t- we said they were going to do that. Uh, they did max protections. The first touchdown pass uh, to Amari Rogers was a seven-man protection. What that basically means is you always have at least a five-man protection, right? You have to have your five offensive linemen, linemen yep. blocking. And then Notre Dame does a lot of six-man protections, which is the five linemen and then a back. And then, of course, a seven-man protection is, is you add an additional thing. So they had, a t- they had a, one of their tight ends kind of lined up in an H-back look. They had Travis Etienne at running back, and they ran a play-action pass. Uh, and it was a great it was a great job. I mean – and it was – that play was twofold. Number one, good play call. We talked about it. Max protect, move the pocket are two things we talked about Clemson would do, and that was an example of the max protecting where Notre Dame actually got really good penetration on that play, but there was those second-level blockers at tight end and running back right. to kind of slow that pass rush down enough for Trevor Lawrence to get that ball off. So – it was a great game plan by Tony Elliott. I mean, great game plan by Tony Elliott. To, he said, here's where Notre Dame is going to whip us. So what do we need to do to neutralize that? Imagine that. Imagine that thought process <laughs> that we know they're going to do this to us. So what do we have to do to, to gain some advantage? So, again, the quarterback runs. It's a great opportunity because if it's just six on six, Notre Dame's going to beat us. They're just going to beat us. Yeah. They already showed that. We see the film. We know they're going to dominate us. So what do we do? Use our tight ends more. Uh, use our running back, our stud running back that we couldn't do anything with in the first game. Let's use him as a lead blocker, and we'll get our athletic quarterback now. So now we have some numbers advantages. You know, right. let's do different things. Let's use this a look to try to gain some some ISO. So they realized early on too that they could get Amari Rogers isolated on Sean Crawford, and they went mm-hmm. three big plays in that look. But for everybody that said, well, you know. DJ threw for 400 X number of yards and four, I think it was 439. That first touchdown pass was the difference between a, a, a junior veteran guy with 30 plus starts under his belt and a incredibly talented, but young freshman who was in a second start. So on that first touchdown pass, you got to go back and, and watch this folks. If you get a chance and some of you may not ever want to watch that game again. And trust me, I understand. That's but, fair. 
Notre Dame lines up in a cover one. Cover one basically means there's one guy deep. Everyone else is in man coverage. And at the snap, you had Sean Crawford in the slot against Amari Rogers, but he had Kyle Hamilton in the middle of the field playing center field. You try to throw a post route to Amari Rogers with Kyle Hamilton sitting in the middle of the field, it's going to be another interception. Sure. So at the snap, he had Amari Rogers and another receiver to his left, and he had uh, one receiver to his right. So at the snap, Trevor Lawrence drops back, and his eyes immediately go to the right, away from Amari Rogers. I mean, and he exaggerated it too. I mean, it's just stare down that backside receiver. So what does Notre Dame's talented but young safety do? He starts cheating over that side. As soon as Kyle Hamilton opens up his hips and runs yep. to his left to Trevor Lawrence's right, Trevor comes right back immediately and throws the post route, which tells me he was he was using his eyes to man, manipulate yeah. the free safety. You don't see freshmen do that. Right. DJ's not making that play. Not this year. He'll he make will. that play next year. He will. He's not making it in game two against Notre Dame. That's the difference between a, a 30-plus game starter and a guy who's making his second start. So, no, Trevor Lawrence didn't throw for 439 yards. But as we talk about, Vince, it, those aren't the plays that we're worried about. What did Clemson do on third down in the first game? I think they had two third down conversions in the first game. Uh, yeah, eight. it was 26%. It was terrible. Yeah, they yeah. were eight. Eight of 14. Put into context, Clemson was at about 57% conversion rate on third down. Notre Dame had not allowed a single team all year to go above 43. Yep. And Clemson went for 57. That's why Trevor Lawrence makes a difference in these kind of games. And so, I, you know, kudos. Sometimes, Vince, you got to tip your cap to the other team. They had a quarterback that made some big throws. Uh, you know, and, and, and Notre Dame made big mistakes. Shane Simon not getting depth on – you know, the first time they picked them off, Notre Dame actually showed Kyle Hamilton cheating outside, mm-hmm. and they showed Drew White tucked up near the line, which is, is, is kind of a key, a tendency of he's either going to step down to either take the back or, or blitz. So, so, so Trevor Lawrence thinks he's got an RPO, like a quick throw behind him. So Trevor backs up, takes a quick drop, and just gets rid of the ball quickly. He anticipated Drew White coming. But on that play, Notre Dame was smoking them. They were they were a smoke is essentially you show blitz and then you you fix. Right. on blitz, but he was playing tight, which is a tendency that he's going to come because Notre Dame doesn't often show blitz on first and second down. They like to disguise it, but they have a tendency when they're a little tighter the line of scrimmage, they're going to come. So Drew White does that, and then Drew gets great depth, gets his eyes on the quarterback, gets his hand up, tips the pass. Kyle Hamilton picks it off. The second touchdown was a situation where Shane Simon's got to get depth and he's got to look up the route, and he didn't either. He got terrible depth. He didn't look up the route. There's no linebacker in the middle of the defense, and Trevor Lawrence steps into the pocket, hits a wide-open receiver, goes for a touchdown. You know, that position hurt Notre Dame on Saturday. Hurt Notre Dame big time, the buck position. And, you know, Shane Simon had one good game this year, and luckily it came the first time they played Clemson, but, but he continued what's really been a disappointing season for him, and that hurt him. And And, and – you know, so there just was a lot of things where in this game, relative to North Carolina events, they were slow to react. Right. And that was really the problem. They were slow to adjust. And, and, and they were able to, to get their best player. This is a, another crazy concept we don't see much from Notre Dame, that you see at Alabama, you see at Florida, you see at Clemson, is using formations and motions and alignments to try to get your best players matched up against the, the guys you think you can exploit the most. And sometimes oh. I mean your best player. It's just and they did this guy it. has a skill set that we don't think this guy sure. can handle. And as good as Sean Crawford has been this year, now everybody wants to, you know, get rid of him and he's a bum and all this. But Sean Crawford's good at certain things. He's not good at other things. He is good at keeping things in front of him and being smart and being in the right place. He's not good at covering people across the field and vertically. He's just 
two major knee surgeries and an Achilles injury, he's not the 4-4 kid he was out of high school when he could do that. If we had the 2016 version of Sean Crawford, that's a matchup Notre Dame has a shot with, right? But he's not that guy anymore. And the coaches didn't put him in position to be successful, and Clemson took advantage of it. Now, Notre Dame went, you know, made some adjustments in the second half and limited Clemson a little bit, but that was really, to me, Vince, the big problem in this game was Notre Dame was slow to adjust. And, yeah. and Clemson had a great game plan that said, we're not going to let this defensive line beat us. And, and Notre Dame actually got decent amount of pressures in this game, but they got rid of the ball so quickly. They had extra blockers in a lot of the times where they could, they could slow the pass rush down enough to where they just couldn't finish and couldn't get to Trevor. And, of course, he's such a veteran, he was able to work himself out of a couple. Well, and the only other quarterback they face that's as good as that is Phil Dracovic. You know, where as far as getting a, out of pressure, as far yeah. as getting out of pressure, just because right. he's a bigger bodied guy, yep. he's strong, he's athletic. Because there's two or three sacks that one in the end zone. had, yeah, yeah. one they in the end zone. Had. and he yeah. was able to kind of work his way and walk yeah. out of it, basically. Right. And that was that was super frustrating, right. by the way, right? Super frustrating. But that's why he's the one of the the greatest we've seen in this generation, Vince. I mean, he that's why he's a winner. That's why having him, you know, maybe he doesn't throw for 439 yards, but but that's why beating him is so different. You just you can't miss those opportunities. You know, you can't be slow to adjust to Clemson because when you're slow to adjust against Clemson, it's 24 to three. That's, that's the mm-hmm. problem. And that's where the defense failed is they, they gave up too much too early. They settled down late, but they gave up too much too early. And when you combine that with the offense doing, doing nothing, you're, 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 you don't have a chance. You, you just mm-hmm. flat out don't have a chance. Right. It's frustrating, um, and and you know the the addition of Trevor Lawrence obviously was a big part of this game. And you just outlined you outlined it in the in the run game. You outlined it in the pass game. I mean, the Trevor Lawrence effect in this game opened up the run lanes for Travis Etienne. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. He, and it, it, it was a lot of it was late. You know, I mean, it sure. was late second oh, yeah. quarter in the second half, but that was the whole point. That was their goal. That's exactly right. You know, you 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 burn them one way early. And then you just, you know, <laughs> late. And that's what they did. I mean, it, you know, Travis Etienne was very, very impressive towards the end. Mm-hmm. And any running back would have been in that particular situation just because of the way things were going. Uh, but they allowed him. They, you know, I think they ended up with over 200 yards rushing, um, whereas they had 34 last time. A big difference in this game, you know. And, and Trevor Lawrence had a lot to do with that. His legs, mm-hmm. his arm, uh, all of it. And, mm-hmm. uh yeah, so, I mean, it, w- it was a frustrating afternoon all around. But, again, I, I want to reiterate the fact that the-, the defense didn't have as bad of a game as people want to make it out to be. Right. Um, We're not saying they played great. No, but, I'm not saying that at all. But they're know, not the reason this game was lost. Right. There's a yeah. lot of people you could have told before the game, they're going to hold them to 34 points. And people, okay. So we got a shot. You know, yeah. we, you know Ian's going to get his shot late in the game with the ball to go win this thing. That's what people, a lot of people would have thought. And Absolutely it, just, it, correct. Never, it never materialized. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up, Brian. But before we do, we want to hear from another one of our sponsors, and that's Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, Irish fans. Let's let's wrap this thing up, Brian. Um, oh, this has been cathartic for me. I appreciate it. I needed to get some of these things out, uh, and and this has been the best way to possibly do it. So, you know, Notre Dame does not have a good game, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, they still make it to the college football playoff. Can Notre Dame take this performance and positively build off of it for their matchup with Alabama on January 1st? You know, it's, it's, it's not so much building on it, Vince. It's learning from it. I, and maybe that's what you meant by that. But yeah. it's, it's okay. Look, we, we, have to, we understand now that we have to be able to do certain things, right? Hopefully this is the final wake-up call for Notre Dame that says, hey, you have to be creative on offense. You have to be willing to – to do some things to generate points. You're not going to – I don't care how good your defense is. You're not going to hold teams like Clemson and Alabama to, 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 four, you know, to, to 17, 20, 23, 24 points. And, and that doesn't mean you don't have a great defense. It just means that's modern football. I mean, remember how great Clemson's defense was in 2015 and 2016? Well, they gave up 30, 45 points to Bama the first year and I think 31 to Bama the second year. Even as much as, as, as Clemson dominated Alabama – uh, in 2018, when they won the national championship, Bama still got in the 20s, you know, you know, and they right. played terrible. But, you know, Bama, a team that's built on defense, they gave up 40 points to Clemson the first time they played in 2015. When they lost to Clemson in 2016, they held them to, you know, they gave up 35 points. And then, of course, when Clemson won it all in 2018, Clemson scored 44 against Alabama, scored 44. You know, you're you're not going to win low-scoring games when it's when you're in the big stage, and and Notre Dame just seems to not have adapted to that. This notion of, you know, we're just going to do what we do that that only works when you've got far far superior players. At some point in time, you have to scheme your way into success. Clemson did that with Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame needs to learn how to do that, and so uh, hopefully they can you know learn some things from the Clemson offense and say, boy, they did some really good concepts to attack certain things that our defense did. And if they right. can attack our defense, then we should be able to have some success because you can tell me all you want that, oh, Clemson has better. No, Clemson does not have better receivers than Notre Dame. They may use more receivers than Notre Dame does. For example, the guy that caught the second touchdown against Notre Dame, EJ Williams, had a one-handed catch. Mm -hmm. He's a true freshman. <laughs> he was ranked he lower than Jordan Johnson and Chris Tyre. I'm just saying, just you know, throwing that out there for people. And he just ran a crossing route. It was nothing special. Right. right. But, you know, the second one was special. The one-handed catch was special because sometimes that when was, you have yeah. a really talented right. – but when you have a really talented player and you give him opportunities, guess what he's going to do? He's going to make plays. He doesn't know the whole route tree. I guarantee you he doesn't know the whole route tree. Right. You know? and, and those are the things that Notre Dame has to learn to do. How, how do you best utilize your personnel – and 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 attack people and and I think that you know the big thing for me is you know you have to get back to this isn't even about building on it they have to get back to what they were that got them here and that is a team that's very confident a team that plays with a lot of energy and emotion that's that needs to be there and honestly Vince I think that this game to me uh stung but Notre Dame's going to go into the Alabama game, and we'll dive into some Alabama breakdowns here before and after Christmas. But they're a 19.5-point underdog right now, which is the <laughs> biggest underdog in the history of the college football playoff. 
There's no mm. pressure on Notre Dame. There's no reason None. for you to be You're stressed right. out. And all. Nobody thinks you can win. Your fan base, understandably, doesn't think the, you yeah. can win. There no, are Notre Dame fans. And, again, I'm not ripping any of you that thought this because I understand it. It's that whole, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to see this embarrassment yeah, I get again. it. I don't want to have to deal with people taunting me in, in Notre Dame. I'm not ripping y'all at all. Please don't take it that way. But, like, it's that – it's that, you know, that whipped puppy effect where Notre Dame's fans are just so sick of getting embarrassed on the big stage that they, they didn't want to be in the college football playoff. They didn't want to face Alabama for the, for the reason that we're talking about. They're going to be huge underdogs. And, and if Notre Dame plays the way that they did against Clemson and the way that they did against Georgia and the way that they mm-hmm. did against Clemson the first second time and Clemson the first time and Alabama in 2012, if they play, if they, the way they played against LSU offensively in 2017 – um, if they play that well again, that way against Alabama on offense, they're going to get destroyed. Yes, they are. Because the Notre Dame defense could play well and hold Bama to 38 points, 40 points. And, and you could say, you know, they, they did a pretty good job. They just scored 52 mm-hmm. in the SEC title game against Florida. Now, Florida does not have a good, a good of a defense in Notre Dame, but it's 52 points. That's what Notre Dame did to South Florida. You know, so they're going to have to figure that out. But there's no pressure. There's no right. pressure on Notre Dame now. Let it out, guys. Just let it loose. Nobody believe. <laughs> nobody thinks you can win. Nobody thinks you have a chance. And maybe that's not enough for them to be right. able to win the game. But there's no pressure on the in-book now. There's no pressure on the defense now. There's no pressure on the – just go play. Just go, just go play, compete, do, give them everything you got. Because that's what you did to get here. And we didn't see that against Clemson. They got to get back to that. And it should be easier to get back to that now that there's no pressure. There's a lot of people that thought, you know, they, they were going to lose to Clemson, but, you know, there was still a lot of hype about Notre Dame and, and how good they were. And it's all gone now. I don't yeah. think it should be all gone. You know, we'll, and we'll talk, about, we'll talk about what this next game means in a future show. We're going to talk about, you know, what, what makes for a successful season. We've talked about it before. We're going to talk about what yeah. it means specifically for this title game, and we'll yeah. get into that for a future show. But – you know, but that's not the kind of pressure the players – the players don't feel this big picture, what does it mean for Notre no, Dame pressure. They feel pressure to win a championship. And that pressure's right. gone now. I mean, right. everyone assumes – Notre Dame fans assume, again, understandably, not a shot at y'all, that this is going to be a blowout. So, go have fun, go play, and, and, and here's the deal. Be surprised I, what you can do if you play without that, yeah. without that pressure. And, and, and here's, what I, here's what I'd say to the coach, to the players if I was the coaches. Hey, guys, look you know, whether or not we win or lose this game, well, if we lose this game, this thing is going to go away soon. You know, especially for you guys that are going to go play professional football, you're not going to be thinking about losing this game too long. What will stick with you probably for the rest of your life is if you go, if you come out of this game feeling like you didn't give it everything you had. Right, exactly. And, and that's something that, like, I've never looked back on a game that I played or coached and said, boy, I, I wish I would have made this play or that play or the other play or this call or that call. I mean, you do that initially, but 10 years later, you don't care. Be, what you will remember, however, is I should have put more work in. Mm-hmm. I should have played harder. I should have gave better effort on that play. And, and if the kids go out and they give it everything they got and Bam was just way better than they are, they'll be okay. They'll, they'll yeah. be able to live with that. And, and but the, it, it's harder to live with. We, we didn't, we were worried about this. We were focused on that. We didn't give this. And I think some of the, that's kind of what I felt about the 2012 game against Bama. They, I don't think they left it all on the field because there were so many other distractions going on that we didn't know about, you know, with Manti and that whole thing. 
Um, I just want this team to leave it all out there. And, and if Bama's way better than you, then they're way better than you. It just it is what it is. But, We've all been in games like that, by yeah, the way. We're, but we don't – yeah. <laughs> oh, my my first year coaching, we were phenomenal. I mean, the second round of the playoffs, we beat the number two seed in, in, our, in our bracket 41 to nothing at their place. I mean, we were good. Right. We went down to Texas and beat Harden-Simmons, who had a couple NFL guys on their team. You know, nobody thought we had a shot in that game. We beat them in overtime. Then we smoked Thomas Moore in the second round, 41 to nothing. And our reward, Mount Union, you know? <laughs> and and yeah. by the way, you know who started at defensive end for that Mount Union team? Matt Campbell. Not. Oh, there you yeah, go. The head coach at, at uh, Iowa State. So, um, but our kids played their butts off. I mean, they played as right. well as we could possibly imagine, and they beat us 49 to 21. I mean, mm-hmm. we had no chance in that game. I mean, the only chance we would have had is if, like, they turned it over a bunch of times and just m- made a bunch of mistakes. And right. I the game saying, I was proud of our kids. I, mean, I was proud as heck as I could be of our kids because they left it all on the field. And they could just say, hey, Bam, Mount, Mount was better than us. And just, they were better than we were. Uh, but we have no regrets because we, we had a great year and we gave it everything we had. And if Notre Dame players can do that, then, then they'll, they'll look back on this season and, and with good memories. But if, if, they, if they allow the other things to get in the way, then that's when you start having regrets. And that's really all you can look for in this next game, Vince, is no pressure, no stress. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Give it everything you got. Ian Book, if you throw three picks because you're trying to make plays, I'll, I'll tip my cap to you. That's because that's what you have to do to beat Mama. You know, right. you throw zero interceptions but only make one or two plays and you lose by 40. Hey, he didn't turn the ball over. I wish he would have turned it over a couple times. Maybe then yeah, because that means he's chances. trying. Yeah, exactly. Right. I can live with that. Don't don't leave anything on the field. And if they do that, then the, these kids will look back on their their careers in Notre Dame with fond memories. And you know, we'll cri- criticize and critique and pick apart and all that kind of stuff. That's but what for we them, do. And that's what and, and and that is what it is. But for them, it's just just there's no pressure on them now. I think that's the big thing to take away from this game is there's zero pressure on Notre Dame. Everybody thinks they're going to get blown out. So what the heck, guys? Leave it all on the field. Give it your best, and right. we'll see where it goes. But, yeah. Uh, but this was a missed opportunity for Notre Dame, though, Vince. Oh, there's no question about it. I, they didn't play up to their standard, uh, to use their language. Uh, they, they just didn't, and uh, they know it. I mean, it's not something that we have to tell them. They're not. They're not tuning into this podcast for us to tell them what they did wrong. I mean, they they, they well, know what they did wrong. They're not tuning into this podcast. Period. Period. <laughs> 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 that's well done by the way <laughs> uh you're right they're not but but they know what they did wrong and mm-hmm. and and hopefully they can clean it up and they can get ready they got a, what a week and a half a little over a week and yeah, a half before they, weeks, they, yeah. they hit the field again so um you know we're all hoping that there's a better showing against alabama alabama's a better opponent than clemson mm-hmm. was uh this is alabama's championship to lose so yeah uh, that that's one of the things that Notre Dame missed out on by not winning on Saturdays that they get to draw Alabama. So. If we were talking about Notre Dame versus Ohio state, you and I would be having a completely different conversation. Like I, they can win this game, man. They can beat Ohio. State. Oh, I don't think it would be close, but that's a whole other conversation. I agree with you. I, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I think no, I'm not saying they'd beat about 40, but I, I no. think they won by a couple a touchdowns, 10, a 10 to 13 points. Yeah, I do. No question. I, I've not been impressed the last two times that I've watched Ohio State. They've play played game two teams with a pulse. They should have lost to one, and they were losing at halftime and struggled. I mean, Northwestern gave that game away in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And they only lost by 12. Yeah, so there you go. 22 right. to 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole, again, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, make sure you stay locked in to IrishBreakdown.com. We've got all kinds of great stuff for you on there. A lot of reaction to this ball game. 
uh, and make sure that you subscribe uh, so you get our podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Just found you- out we've, we've just been approved for Pandora and we've just yeah. been approved for iHeartRadio. So we are definitely getting on more and more, uh, more and more networks. So, so keep wherever finding. you get your podcast, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, so you'll get the latest ones. We will have them coming out here. And I believe there's going to be some recruiting ones coming out here pretty soon mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Uh, so make sure you stay locked in because we are going to bring you the heat uh, when it comes to Notre Dame football. So uh, again, uh, rough outing. Uh, they can bounce back. Let's see what they do. Uh, but we will talk to you next time on Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>